chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. You can go ahead and turn there. Over the past few weeks, we've continued our series called The Journey. Uh, if you think about this whole series, we started out in the gospel uh, according to Luke, and it was uh, Jesus' journey through Galilee. And then from there, we went to uh, follow Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. Then we followed Jesus' journey through uh, Jerusalem. And then uh, we continued Luke's writings by moving, to, shifting to his second volume, the book of Acts. The book of Acts divided into two parts. The first part uh, focuses on the journey of Peter. And then the second part uh, follows the journeys of the Apostle Paul. So for the pa past few weeks, we have been looking at the Apostle Paul. And we've looked at his, his missionary journeys, and we've already uh, followed him through his first missionary journey. We looked at the church council and how they handled conflict. And then we looked at uh, some of the persecution that they were dealing with in his second missionary journey. And then Acts chapter 18 is the close of, of the Apostle Paul's second missionary journey. But the Bible has helped us to understand a number of things just even in the past few chapters. Uh, such as how to handle personal conflict, how to handle conflict when it arises within the church. Uh, last week, we even discovered practical application in understanding why God closes doors and then creates new opportunities for us. Well, today is another one of those messages that has real potential, and it's, it's one of the reasons that um, CJ and I were just talking this morning. You know, um, it's one of those reasons that it excites me about you know, teaching God's Word and preaching God's Word is that, uh, no, you know, no matter what, God's Word, we should, I should preach and teach with passion. Uh, no matter how many are in the room, no matter uh, big or small, no matter how many are, are, are missing, uh, even, even watching online, because the message has real potential for impact on our lives. And for that reason, you know, it, it excites me to think about today's message. And and uh, I really, wanna, uh, really want to encourage you uh, to listen for the potential and understanding and thinking about God's will for your life. I mean, if you think about it, if I were to ask the typical Christian, do you want to know God's will for your life? I mean, the average Christian would go, absolutely, yeah, yeah, I want to know God's will. Well, what if I told you that there's a way that you can discern God's will? And it's revealed through Scripture, how, how you can know God's will. I think a lot of times we go through life just with, you know, what do I do? And we just ask, uh, we just ask other people, you know, maybe we, maybe we go through social media, we go through our closest friends and we just ask them, well, what do you think I should do? And rather than asking the question, what is God's will? What, how do I know that my life is aligning with God's will? I'm going to show my age here. Uh, but uh, I grew up uh, as a Gen Xer, uh, so and I, you know, in the '80s, and so a lot of the '80s music um, was huge influence on me. I want to see if anybody can recall this one. <laughs> no, like no one, like handful of people in the room are old. We're not even born when this song. <laughs> like most of the people in the room were not even born uh, when this song came out. 1982, The Clash. Let's see if you even know. You know. Any, anybody? No? No? You know, I, I figured that might be the case. It's should I stay or should I go? Yeah. Uh, should I stay or should I go? That's the, 
that's the that's the old, that's the clash 1982 right isn't that <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah that got east of the tension <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah. So what do we do? What do we typically do with that type of question? You know, um, we typically just go to our friends. You know, hey, what do you think I should do? Whether it's relationships, whether it is a job, uh, whatever it might be. Should I stay? Should I go? What should I do? What should I do? The better question is, what's God's will? That's. I mean, really, isn't that the better question? And how do I know when something is God's will? How can I move forward with confidence knowing that I have aligned my life in such a way that the decisions that I'm making and whether to stay or go are actually not just a whimsical decision or just a polling decision, but rather a genuine decision based upon am I aligning Am I aligning my life with God's word? Well, that's where we're at. That's what we're going to see. Acts chapter 18, it helps us to answer that question. It helps us to answer questions like, should I stay or should I go? Maybe not so much in the same way the clash was asking about relationships. Should I be in this relationship? Should I not? Although it can help with that. Acts 18 helps us to answer a more uh, a, a, a deeper question of how do I know God's will and how do I know when I'm following God's will? How do I know when I'm following God's plan? So there's the question. That's the question that we need to answer. Let's jump in then with key point number one. Key point number one for us this morning is this. God will affirm his plans for you through other Christian believers. God will affirm his plans for you through other Christian believers. Let's look. Acts chapter 18. Let's look at verses 1 through 5. Verse 1 begins, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them. So, because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked. For by occupation, they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath. And persuaded both Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. Now let's pause there just for a moment. Because when you're on the right path, when you're doing God's will, and you're pursuing the right thing, uh, it's going to be affirmed by other Christian believers. Uh, other Christian believers can say, yes, you're, you're on the right path. You think about the Apostle Paul in this situation. Um, the Apostle Paul in his first missionary journey and even in his second, you know, as he, as he traveled, he would deal with some conflict, right? We've already seen that. We've seen the conflict arise. We've seen the, um, the turmoil, the persecution. And the Apostle Paul, in the middle of that persecution, sometimes... He would say, I'm done, and he would do what? He'd shake the dust off his, his boots and say, I'm moving on to the next city. He's answering that question, should I go? Should I stay? Should I go? And he concluded over and over again, I should go. And he would, he would make those decisions and say, all right, I'm moving on. These people are not responding to the gospel. I'm moving on. But it's interesting because here he arrives, at, and, and he's in a new city, 
He's still experiencing persecution, but he's going to stay. Why didn't the persecution this time, why, why did he stay? I mean, it seems like his precedent was persecution comes along, you know, he's made a huge impact for the gospel, then persecution starts, and then he moves. But he stuck around this time. He didn't move on to the next town. He stayed there over a year. So the question then becomes, the criteria for him to move on was not based upon the persecution. It wasn't just that he was dealing with hard times and it's like, oh, this is difficult, I'm going to move on. Because he was dealing with really difficult times even in this situation, but yet he chose to stick around. He chose to stay there. And one of the reasons that he stayed there was because he was being affirmed by other Christian believers. That was one of the reasons. Other Christian believers were saying, no, this is, we need to be here. And we have Aquila, we have Priscilla. We even have Silas and Timothy catch up with him from Macedonia. You remember they had traveled to Macedonia, even, even Dr. Luke was with them and went there and ministered. Well, Silas and Timothy get caught up with them now, get, you know, caught up with, with the Apostle Paul. Not only that, we don't see it in the book of Acts, but we see it in Paul's writings when he writes to thank them later. He says, uh, because when, when Timothy and Silas show up from Macedonia, the Christians there sent financial help. And so Paul writes them later, giving them thanks for, for sending financial help because it enabled him to continue to do ministry. What was happening? There were a number of things happening that were God's people, not just Aquila and Priscilla, but Aquila, Priscilla, Timothy, Silas, the whole church that sent Timothy and Silas even affirmed, Paul, stay the course, keep doing what you're doing, you're within God's will, in fact, we want to even support you financially. So what do we see? We see the church affirming Paul is on the right path. Paul is doing the right thing. Why? Because people within the church are affirming that and supporting him. When I think about when I first got called to ministry, I thought, I honestly thought that I was going to let people down. I did. I thought, I thought I'm, I'm letting people down. And here's why. When I was in kindergarten, I mean, just a little bit older than Easton, I came home from, uh, I came home from kindergarten. And I had played all day with some blocks. And I came home and I asked my mom, I was like, what do you call someone who designs buildings? She said, that's an architect. I said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be an architect. And would you believe from kindergarten through college, I never once changed my mind. I mean, it was, this is what I was going to do. Somebody had asked me throughout grade school, what are you, what are you going to be? I'm going to be an architect. They asked me in middle school, what are you going to be? I'm going to be an architect. Asked me in high school, I'm going to be an architect. So many people would say, ah, you'll change your mind 20 times, you know, in your freshman year of college alone. And I said, not me. I've already, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. And the reason I felt like I was going to disappoint people when, when, when God was calling me to ministry was because from middle school through high school and into college, I had so many people that were helping me prepare for architecture. I had, I took drafting classes in middle school. Uh, I, I had, uh, you know, I had teachers that were helping me prepare 
for a career in architecture. I had mentors and, and teachers that were really heavily invested in helping me make the right decision for college and pursuing this career. I even had, um, we had a career day and they made sure that they had an architecture firm show up for career day because they knew that that would be my interest. So the leadership made sure that there was an architecture firm there. I got to meet them in high school for career day and this guy, and I was showing him some of, the, some of the stuff I'd already done in high school with like blueprints and things like that. And he said, listen, you, when you finish your degree, you come let me know you've already got your job lined up. He said, you've got a job uh, working for me as an architect. So it was, it was, it, for me, it was a done deal when I was in kindergarten. But God, <laughs> the thing that I never considered that, that changed was when I was 15, I gave my heart to Christ. Something that I didn't know when I was younger, something that hadn't entered into the equation. And here I am in, in college and God's calling me and I'm reading this passage and it was clear as day I can remember reading the Apostle Paul's words and he says this, I was, I was, God was kind and allowed me to become a wise master builder. And I read that and I went through, read it again and again and I was like, I think one of my history classes in architecture, we were talking about the definition of architecture means a wise master builder. I went back, I looked up Paul's word, the word that Paul used in Greek, you know what it was? Architect. He used the word architect. The apostle Paul said God was kind and allowed me to become an architect, but rather than building a brick and mortar, building one that is building on a foundation that is already laid, which is Christ Jesus, and helping others build upon that foundation. And I'm sitting there and I'm reading that and I'm going, okay, God, you have been preparing me all these years not to be an architect of brick and mortar, not to be an architect that influences the skyline, but to be an architect that helps others build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. And I, but here's the thing, I had, I had so many people that were like, here's what you need for college, here's what you need for math, here's what you need in engineering, here's what you need in, in science, and all of, these, all of these things helping me. And I thought, I'm gonna let all of them down. I'm going to let all of them down when I come and tell them I'm not pursuing architecture anymore, that God's called me to ministry. I remember distinctly going to my youth pastor, and I told Doug, I said, Doug, I said, uh, I have some news for you. I said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm no longer pursuing architecture. God's called me to ministry. And you know what Doug said to me? He said, oh, I've known that for a long time. <laughs> I said, Really? He said, listen, he said, I knew when you were a teenager that God was, was working in your life. I knew that you would be in ministry. You were so convinced that you were going to be an architect. He said, because I asked him, I was like, why didn't you tell me? If you saw it then, if you saw it when I was 16, 17, why didn't you say something then? He said, because there would come a day in your ministry where if I just told you as a teenager, you would say, I wonder, if, I wonder if I was just doing what Doug said. Maybe I should have been an architect. And, and the devil would use that to cause you to question your calling. 
He said, so I couldn't be the one to tell you because you might just do it because I told you I think you're called to ministry. God had to speak to you. God had to be the one to call you. And when God calls you, we can affirm that. And he said, I can tell you, I've already known what was happening. The church was affirming God's plan, his purposes, his will. I went to John Cashin. John was another minister at our church. And I went to him and I said, hey, I've got some news. I said, I want to let you know God's called me into ministry. And he said, that's, that's great. He said, now you said you had some news to share. What's this, what's this news that you wanted to share? And I said, what do you mean? That's, that's the news. And he said, Chris, I've known for years that God was calling you to ministry. He said, I've known it for a long time. He said, I've watched you as a teenager. I, I knew then that God was preparing you and calling you to ministry. You were convinced that you were going to do this, but I saw it then. You know, all those teachers and mentors and other people, as I started to go to them and say, listen, God called me to ministry. You know what every single one of them did? Oh, we've known. We've known. One of the things that God does is he will send people from within the church Christian believers to say we affirm what we see God doing in your life we affirm that you're on the right path we affirm that you're doing the right thing so when God called me to ministry it wasn't it wasn't uh, a big surprise in fact when God called us to plant Grace Point Church what do you think what do you think one of the signs one of the things that we were looking for God can you give us clarity it was the affirmation of Christian believers in the local church that we needed affirmation from to make sure that we're in alignment with God's will. But I don't want you to miss this. This is so key. Don't miss this. Here's the caution. You can find affirmation anywhere. This is the caution for you. Hear me on this. For example, if I wanted to justify my sinful behavior let's say I had just a sinful attitude sinful behavior you know what I could do I could surround myself with people who would affirm that sinful behavior that's what I could do I mean just all I need to do is just go to people who think that this is okay this behavior is fine and I can find other people who will affirm me pursuing something sinful so when I say that discerning God's will is that you will be affirmed by God's people. I want you to hear me closely. You will be affirmed by Christian believers who are actively involved in their church, and they have a discernment of God's will, and they are affirming what they see in your life. Because if we don't, if we don't do that, then what we're at risk of doing is just surrounding ourselves with, with people who are just going to say, yeah, 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 oh, that sounds good. That's a good idea. And they have no foundation in God's word. They have no foundation connection with the local church. And they will just, they could even have, the, that even has the potential for affirming sinful behavior. So we have to be careful. And that's the caution. 